Happy, happy Friday, everybody. How we doing today? Welcome. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. Set yourself up for success with this weekend. Well, if I get talk with an awesome hour, take this hour in martial arts or in jujitsu. It's known as the jujitsu hour where you get to just like purge everything, all that bad stuff out of your mind and replace it with something awesome. Before I bring my guest on today, I'm going to quote him. This is from his uh, Instagram feed. He's quite active on Instagram. He puts out a lot of really great posts. Uh, he does a lot of uh, video where he's actually talking. So it's much like a podcast. Uh, but today he's going to be the guest. And he put this out just last night. And he was talking about, he's worked with a lot of elite athletes. We'll hear more uh, about him and his story as, as we go on. But his quote was, the champions are the ones who persevere who turn a negative into a positive. So martial arts, so jujitsu. And uh, this guy's got a little history with the, with the sport as well. With that, I would like to welcome Dr. Laniel Mitchell. Can I call you doctor? <laughs> I can't hear you. You're muted. You got to unmute. There we go. There we go. Got it. Do, yeah. you go do you go by doctor? Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's one of those things, being a, being a physical therapist, too. It's like we're not like physicians, so it's a little confusing. But at the same time, I did get my doctorate. So I, I, uh, I embrace it more for the rest of the profession. So, you know, people that are feeling funny about calling themselves a doctor will do it. So I do it, too. And nice. so, but I don't I, like I don't it. I don't like encourage my patients or anybody to call me doctor. I try to keep right. it a little more informal, you know. Uh, Lance said the same thing. And even uh, do you know uh, Saqib? Ali, Dr. Saqib? I don't know. So he, he works with Lance and he was on and I've asked them both the same question and they're like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So awesome, man. Welcome. So you're a, you're a native of Pittsburgh, but you are in Huntington Beach, California with all the, the snow and cold weather, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, that, that's here. <laughs> it was pretty that. rough waking up this morning with all the sunshine. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. Terrible. I've been seeing all your uh, all your posts. You know, I, I actually went to school and, uh, you know, spent a lot of time about 10, 12 years in Erie, right mm -hmm. on the lake. So yeah. all these uh, you know, videos and pictures that I keep seeing are very familiar. It's uh, nostalgic in one way and the other way. It's like, oh, yep. man, geez, you know, they're good. glad I don't have to deal with that anymore. Yeah, I was just on the on the other uh, on the corner of the lake. I went to school in Buffalo. Oh, OK. And, yeah. So there yeah. you go treacherous this is nothing <laughs> this is like this is like a an average october day in buffalo but for new yorkers we're kind of like, i mean there's just snow everywhere man it's just like piled i'm like there's nowhere yeah. to go there's nowhere to put it you know it's really crazy but right enjoy, enjoying that sunshine i hope um so tell everybody a little bit about yourself your background um there's so much to unpack here you've done so many really cool things and there's there's more stuff on the horizon i really want to get to before the end of the show yeah. So, you know, basically you know, I grew up real close to Pittsburgh, super blue collar. You know, my parents are you know both blue collar. My, my mom grew up on a farm and, uh, you know, my dad was a, a city kid in the, in the, in a ex-military guy, you know, from the, the town I'm from, from big uh, military presence, big VA hospital and, you know, didn't grow up with a ton of resources. Obviously, even back then, you know, things were a lot different, especially with sports. You know, I always joke around. I never saw a speed ladder until I was like out of college. You know, we just didn't do those types of things. It was more yeah. of a go to the playground and rough and tumble. And, you know, I, I, 
I always, you know, tell this, like uh, when I would go to baseball practice, uh, you know, for my real team, I was always like, well, guys, you know, my, my little team thing and the little league that we have going down in our uh, sandlot was more important to me than my actual, you know, uh, organized league. So, but we were super into sports and, you know, Pittsburgh's a big, you know, huge sports town. So every, everything is, is sports. But uh, one of the things that's really interesting about the situation is that, you know, my high school was the biggest high school in Western Pennsylvania for like 30 years. Right. And we didn't have a wrestling program. Oh, meanwhile, you know, Pittsburgh area is the biggest you know wrestling area in the country. Right. Yeah. So I, I decided to uh, basically I, I met this guy who had went to another high school and uh, he, he basically introduced me to the sport of wrestling. I, up until uh, I was in eighth grade, I thought wrestling was all turnbuckles and, you know, it, it, Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate yeah, yeah. Warrior and all that type of stuff. Right. I really Woo! did. I really did not know what it was. I may have seen like Kurt Angle, you know, because he was from Pittsburgh. I might have saw some, you know, pictures, but it wasn't resonating with me as a, as a sport that I would actually do because we didn't have it at, at my high school until I was in seventh grade. So in eighth grade, I decided that I was going to wrestle. So I went out for the team in ninth grade. And basically, I ended up being a two-time All-American in college, right? So to go from, you know, especially in the Pittsburgh area, you know, ninth grade to having never wrestled before to being an All-American, I made the, uh, the national uh, finals and lost in uh, 2002, my junior year, and then came back and I lost again. And I took third place in my uh, my senior year, which is the reason why I say that, because it kind of set the tone for my whole life and demeanor at that point, because I was I was so committed and I really didn't reach my goal, but I did. You know, and it was really where I learned that it's more about the process than it is really about the medal or the trophy, but they don't really teach that in wrestling. Right. It's like all or none. It's like the, 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 you know, you're either the winner or you're the loser type of thing. And they do, you know, one of the cliches that they all, you know, you always hear is that, you know, this is going to help you way down the line when you have a job, you know, all, all this discipline and all that type of stuff. So when, you know, when I uh, got uh, done with uh, undergrad and got into PT school, you know, I was always kind of a, a, kind of a, a go-getter, you know, and, and pushing ahead, running some extra laps on a, lot, and a, on a lot of things that I was doing, right? So in the PT profession, I, I started to realize that I wanted to do the same thing. So I did this really specialized training after I got done with PT school. The whole way through PT school, I was really confused, kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. There were so many cool things, you know, from the orthopedics to the, uh, the sports medicine. And then I was really interested in uh, the neuroscience side. So I spent a, a couple of years doing, uh, you know, independent studies and things, looking into the neurological th- side of things. But that side of things, you know, people just don't really get better, right? So it, it would be like going to jujitsu practice every day, and you just don't get better. You're actually getting worse, right? And so, it, so it's a hard population to work with in terms of. I feel of that today. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A lot, a lot of people do feel that rough, way, right? I had a rough class this morning, man. I did a seven thirty class, and I just got. I was the mop. I was the nail today, and everybody yeah, right. was the hammer. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, and you have that, you know, and and so, but but the uh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, you know, basically, you hope it's not a train, but you know that you know that if you keep showing up, that your skills are going to improve. You know, you know hopefully, anyways. You know, every, yeah, I think yeah. every, everybody eventually reaches a, a ceiling, but uh, you can you can still find other things to get better with. Um, so you know, 
but that population doesn't really get better. So I, I was struggling. I was in an inner turmoil about, you know, which direction I was going to go. I had a clinician kind of say, you know, give me this pearl that really when you're looking at humans and, and how they function, everything is neurological, right? So basically as I went into my sports and orthopedics, I took that with me going, okay, there's this huge neurological component that we're not talking about in sports medicine and orthopedics because we're listen, you know, looking at things in this structural manner. And then basically right at that time, I got involved with this mentor and he was, he basically said the same thing. He was one of the best physical therapists in the country for sports medicine. And he was like, well, the difference we do that we do here with my system is that we focus on the nervous system with sports and orthopedics. So at that time, it wasn't, you know, a really common thing to, to think about that. So I, I ended up uh, at the University of Cincinnati working with the Cincinnati Bengals. I was there for about three years. Yep. It, it was a big upgrade because I had went to this, you know, really blue collar town, blue collar school, limited resources, went to a small division two school. You know, we barely had an athletic training department. We barely, we didn't have a strength and conditioning coach at my college, which is what I ended up doing in grad school. I, I, I had a grad assistantship while I was in grad school. Mm-hmm. So and I was actually one of the assistant coaches for the wrestling team and I was a head of the uh, uh, strength and conditioning for our team. So I, cause I had a, a, an exercise science degree. So then uh, basically I went to uh, the university of Cincinnati again, you know, when I, when I got done with that program, I started realizing about my student loans and life. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do here? So, you know, the further that I looked into it, it made more sense for me to start looking and go into private practice. And I had actually had a, uh, a roommate at the time uh, when I was in Cincinnati, who was getting his MBA at Xavier. And he was all about SEO, which was the funny thing. This is 2006. Yeah. So, early. yeah. So he, he's actually a, a good friend of mine still. And he already uh, exited with one of his companies uh, called Fire Gang. It was a digital marketing marketing company for uh, dentists and he was way ahead of the curve. So he kind of, you know, pushed me in in that direction. And then my brother has his MBA from Pitt and my best friend has his MBA from Carnegie Mellon. And he's a, he's a big finance guy. So at the time, these guys were pushing me, especially because we had just gotten our doctorates. Number one, they were pushing me going, the doctorate's a stupid thing for PTs to have because it's bad branding, which I couldn't even understand at the time. Now, now I understand what they were talking about. You know, it's confusing. Like we were talking about at the beginning, right. And our profession, is very fragmented. We have nine board specialties. So there's orthopedics, neurological, sports, you know, cardiovascular, electrophysiology, all of these things. So anytime that you're going to encounter a physical therapist, you're going to get all these different ideas and in, in different uh, paradigms because we're because we're so specialized and niched. But our profession doesn't really do a great job of thinking about how the how the branding works. So right at that t- same time, I met another big wig in the profession who was uh, a you know, big private practice section uh, guy, and he invited me to go to the uh, private practice section conference, and that's actually where I met Lance. And so the, the, the funny, one of the main reasons I want to bring up Lance is because he was one of the first people that I met in the, uh, you know, in the business world, you know, networking, uh, you know, from, in the, in, from physical therapy, and he had had a PT, you know, slash gym fitness facility, which is what I wanted to do, right? The whole idea with physio gym, right? That, I didn't know what the name of it was back then, but, you know, basically he gave me this advice and he said, hey, don't do it. I'm like, what do you mean? This is the greatest <laughs> idea. You know, I'm a PT. I want to open a gym. I have all this sports background, all this stuff. He's like, don't do it. Don't open a fitness center. 
if you're going to do something in the fitness you know space go niche right don't think about trying to compete against planet fitness and you know 24 hour fitness and all these different places you're never going to be able to compete against them stay niche so you know from there i ended up you know moving in and uh, opening my own practice in in pittsburgh and basically you know we tried to work you know a, a model over the years where we were combining this idea of what i call specialized fitness and physical therapy together. Mm -hmm. So in in that time, I ended up, uh, I have really bad uh, foot and ankle problems, uh, you know, primarily from from wrestling, which we we can get (laughs) more into that. Yeah. And uh, I mean, like my left foot is still messed up. I basically wrestled my last like three or four years at college on one foot. It was just what I had to do. And that, that was a big thing for me. Cause when I got to PT school, I found out there was a lot of things that I could do for my foot that nobody had told me when I was in college. Right. And I was also, you know, one of those people that like, ah, going to the training room kind of means you're a pussy. Am I allowed to say that on here? You Sorry. can say whatever you want. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So I had that, I had that mentality of, you know, you were soft if you went to the training room. So it's funny that now I'm a physical therapist and, you know, I work in sports medicine because when I was that age, I was absolutely the exact opposite. I was all about myself. And basically I was all of, you know, about not, you know, just being tough. Right. Cause that, yeah. that's what that, that sport's about. So I got really deep into, into working, you know, and trying to fix my uh, foot and ankle problem. So when I went to the University of Cincinnati, I did my research there on looking at foot and ankle problems related to female ACL injuries. So girls tear their ACLs about you know anywhere from four to 10 times more than boys, and 80% of them are non-contact. So the guys at, at uh, the University of Cincinnati were the ones that published all the like uh, award-winning research on why girls tear their ACLs and how you can prevent them. So I was adamant about that it had to do with the foot and ankle. Long story short, my research showed that it didn't have anything to do with the foot and ankle, but it was actually significant that it didn't show that it had to do anything with the foot and ankle, which was cool. So I got this like real thorough learning and understanding and also this mentorship through this process with these, you know, guru level guys. It would be like having Marcelo Garcia or, you know, or Henzo, one of those guys like, you know, taking you through and mentoring. Right. Exactly. I see that right. Right through that process. Right. And that was what I learned from wrestling is like, you want to get next to these, you know, high level black belt ninja savage people in your, <laughs> in your profession. Right. If you can and get that rub from them. Yeah. So then uh, there, uh, there was a program, uh, this actually uh, UFC fighter MMA athlete that I had worked with in Cincinnati knew that I had this foot and ankle problem when I was training with them. And he ended up getting involved with this other trainer from this uh, Marv Marinovich sports lab system. And basically they had done uh, a lot of their workouts barefoot. So at this time, yeah. you know, I don't know if you remember born to run and the five finger shoes and all that stuff. There was a book oh, called yeah, yeah. Born, born to run where he talks about these uh, Mexican Indians that ran 400 miles in their bare feet and then yeah. the toe shoes. So that was what my research was on. Right. So basically I had already done the research before that uh, those books and everything became kind of the uh, commercialized marketed, you know, you know, uh, uh, products that uh, that are out here now and so I got into this program which you know basically led me to the equipment and sports muscle technology and, and everything that I'm uh, that I'm doing now so don't spill the beans on that okay we're gonna no, take a break why, that's why I pulled no no that. no it's yeah. good that was a great cutoff because we're gonna take a break but I want to say I want to prep I want to build up to like what you actually have going on right now because that's the real like what we've talked about in, in Lance's mastermind is like the real the real struggle, the real, the real yeah, yeah, perseverance. Sure. So hang tight, everybody. We're going to be right back. We'll see you, we'll see you in just a few. 
You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you listeners looking to boost your business. Why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. everybody welcome back if you're just tuning in you're listening to the entrepreneurial web i'm your host jeremiah fox today we are zooming to huntington beach california talking to Leniel mitchell he has a phd in physical therapy he was talking in the first portion of the show kind of describing how it seems to me like you were saying the lack of resources is what drove you into your niche is that true would you say oh, yeah. that's, that's oh, accurate yeah. that's pretty awesome um and uh, I, I I was I was checking out your post. I've watched a few of them this week, and especially the one you were talking about, Ronda Rousey, like walking around without an ACL. Oh yeah, like that's crazy. Yeah. My my instructor, who unfortunately lost his uh, he lost his school here recently, uh, but he's a Henzo black belt, um, and I actually just joined Henzo's because here Henzo's is like the only school that's able to operate. Oh. in new york city right now like marcellos can't operate a bunch of these other schools can't but henzo's is allowed to because of the amount of professional fighters he has in there amongst a bunch of other you know throughout the genres um so i've, I've been there for like two weeks i don't know if you could see uh, my little addition here Ooh, I, gotta, nice. I, gotta it. Nice. I can't wear my cans right now because it's so yeah. sensitive I'm like well, that's, Yo. A, that's, a fu- that's a funny part I, you know i wrestled for you know half my life and i don't have it yeah. It just yeah, hey, it, you got to keep moving your head, man. man. Yeah, I <laughs> got in the room with. It's funny you said that the the Ninja Warriors. That was the first thing they they were like, "Here, just have that." <laughs> yeah, exactly. But my instructor, um, I, the story goes that it, like he lost his ACL completely and didn't get surgery and rehabilitated rehabilitated himself. 
Like he oh. talked to me about a lot of things that, that you were saying. Like I, I tore my MCL, not completely, but I, I, someone like grabbed my leg and took off out the door with it one day and, and popped my MCL and my meniscus too on the same knee a year apart. And he was like, forget about surgery. You'll be okay. And he was like, I, I lost my ACL and he has like full mobility. So can you talk about that for a minute? Cause it, that just fascinates me. Yeah. So, you know, that's typically not the recommended thing not to do physical therapy. Right. So I always uh, say that if you want to know whether you need physical therapy or not, or not, you should ask a physical therapist, you know, because nobody really understands what we do typically. So it's an interesting thing to bring up Rhonda. Right. So at the time when I was, uh, you know, uh, graduating high school and coming you know, into college and into, into uh, graduate school, I don't know the whole history behind this. I know what I do know is that the Balanced Budget Act in 1997 changed our profession and basically decreased the uh, perception that there were going to be a lot of jobs in the future for physical Mm. therapy. Yeah. So our profession made this really hard pivot to start using what's called evidence-based practice in the nineties to beef up our, uh, you know, validity and our, uh, you know, our uh, legitimacy. Right. So, you know, they were pumping out tons of research at the time, you know, when I was coming through. And I always like to kind of, you know, position this like the last dance, Michael Jordan, that was uh, 1998, whenever I was my senior year of high school, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were 1998. Mm-hmm. Napster came out in 1999, <laughs> if you remember that. So there was, a, there was a lot of stuff that was changing, right? Not only was it changing in the world, but the PT profession was changing dramatically. And one of the uh, big topics, so, you know, on, you know, a sub topic of ACL injuries was understanding what a coper was. So a coper is a term that we give somebody that's able to basically go back to sports after an ACL rupture without having surgery, right? So the cool part about that for me was being a Pittsburgh guy, Heinz Ward had played his whole career as a wide receiver without having an ACL. And so the... Yeah. So, so in, in, you know, grappling is one thing, but being able to be an NFL wide receiver is another (laughs) thing, right? So what you end up finding out is that the competitive advantage in biomechanics is to move more like Heinz Ward moves, right? And basically everything that you look at biomechanically and how he moves, he's able to do that without that ligament needing to be, you know, to do its job because he's so mechanically efficient and his nervous system is able to regulate the sequencing and the coordination of his movements and also the muscle contractions. So that ACL never gets any, any real pressure on it, which is just fascinating really to think about. Right. And and, and again, it comes back to this whole neurological phenomenon that's going on, which when you look at it, it's like, well, it makes sense. The elite of the elite, they have a different nervous system than everybody else. Right. So the cool part about Rhonda's story to me, especially is that, you know, she was kind of average in a, in a sense, not really, you know, her mom was, uh, you know, a, a world champion in judo and basically, you know, Rhonda, you know, was, you know, was a, actually, she was a, a getting trained to be a swimmer when she was younger. And then she decided to switch and, and uh, get into judo when she was, you know, later in elementary school, early junior high type of thing. And when she tore her ACL, which, you know, the other interesting thing, she got cheap shotted during uh, her uh, practice. Some, some kid that she was working with, you know, took her heart out of bounds and 
and uh, it was a real cheap shot. So that, because it also comes back to women's ACL tears being non-contact, right? So when it's non-contact, that means it's a big biomechanical issue, right? It means that you're just running along and all of a sudden you decide to change directions and boom, right. something blows out. That that shouldn't happen, right? So Rhonda's was a, a contact injury, which makes it a little bit different because it, it, it makes you think, well, you know, you can't assume anything, but it makes you think that it, you know, it, it, that she might have not had those non-contact, you know, biomechanics. But, you know, long and the short of it is her mom made her basically drill arm bars every single day until she was able to get back on her feet and start working her throws. So the next year she comes back out and she's arm barring everybody. Wicked arm bars. Just killing, (laughs) killing everybody. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and I think maybe you were saying this before you got on or this was something I was listening to earlier, but using, you know, a negative and turning it into a positive. I just quoted you. Oh, you quoted me. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, using, you know, a negative situation and turning it into a positive. And the reason I've been on that is because of this COVID situation, Mm -hmm. right? It's, you know, there's been just a, a, a tremendous amount of negativity. And I'm usually a really positive guy. Number one, in physical therapy, it's already, you know, negative people are coming in in pain and you know basically you know, unhappy about their situation their self-efficacy is down you know anytime that you get an injury like you, I think about jujitsu and wrestling all the time you know you could feel like a world beater and then you get hurt and now your confidence goes from here to here yeah. right so then how do you build that confidence back up and that's really what I learned that physical therapy is we are the best at helping people improve their self-efficacy right? We are the best at helping people improve their function. And so I I always say this is that if that's true, and we're the best at helping people, then we need to study the science of helping people, Mm -hmm. right? And that's the the thing. And being negative isn't one of those things that helps people, right? So, so basically, you know, that whole phenomenon was going on, which ended up shaping my entire career and my understanding of how biomechanics work. And so then I get the, the privilege to end up working with Rhonda and she has this situation and it was like, ah, this is amazing. This is nice. like, you know, the epitome of moment of my career or whatever you want to say, you know, it was, yeah, the, yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of those things are very interesting to me because that was like the, 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 uh, the motto in, in, you know, the dojo that I trained at. I mean, I, when I, when my MCL was tour, uh, you know, my instructor said it, he was the same way, just like biomechanically adjusted things. And when you watch him move, you're like, my God, you're like a cheetah, you know? Yeah, and then when, yeah. when he's like, yeah, I don't have an ACL. You're just like, what? Like, how is that possible? You know? And neurologically, the dude was like on another level. Right. You know, um, and a lot of these things are very martial arts. He would say, you know, the mind has a negative bias. You have to be your own best cheerleader. You really have to, you know, it, it's up to you and, and to surround yourself with, with the people. So a lot of these things are like super hardcore fundamental martial arts values. Um, and it's great to see people in, in physical therapy doing it because you're right. Like when people come in, they're just like they're battered and they're just like, I don't right. know what to do. And he told me, you know, when I, when I tore my MCL, he was like, make it your ally. Like, sure, you're not going to be able to do, it was the same way. You know, I wasn't going to be able to do like some of my signature things. And I remember one of those first days back, I took a week off or like five days where I just like iced it, like really made sure like it was unstable, you know, but then I got back in there, like slowly, I was just like, let's see what can happen. And I started like getting on people's backs so quickly. And they were like, I thought you were injured and you just see, you just see something different, man. You know, as long as you don't give up, like you said, turn, turn the negative into, into a, a positive and sorry, I'm clicking too many buttons, turn the negative into a positive 
and and relating that to COVID is really great. We're going to take another break here, and I want I want to pick up with that hardcore. I want you to talk about um, PhysioGym and like how how you did that with your business because you have an existing business, and then you got another one that you're popping off. And how how did you really utilize this lesson that you learned, like helping other people to turn in on yourself and and help your business grow. So stew that in your, in your mind for a minute. We're going to be back in just a moment and we'll pick right back up with that everybody. So hang tight. You're listening to talk radio, NYC uplift, educate, empower. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. You know you have it. The potential for a more rewarding life, a life that matters. But how do you get there? The answer is in a best-selling book by the coach of the successful and wealthy, Ken D. Foster. The Courage to Change Everything, Daily Strategies and Wisdom to Awaken Your Hidden Genius and Transform Your Life. With this powerful yet amazingly simple daily guide, your future is in your hands. You will be empowered to unlock your potential, bring out your true gifts, increase your wealth, and take your life and business to a new level. Get your life-transforming copy of Ken D. Foster's The Courage to Change Everything by going to couragetochange.us. That's couragetochange.us. Quite frankly, there's no other book like this. Imagine what your life could be like if you had at your fingertips the success principles to create the life you've always wanted. Are you ready to live your dream? Go to couragetochange.us. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. everybody welcome back again you're listening to the entrepreneurial web today we're talking to Lanil mitchell out of huntington beach california he's got a gym called physio gym revolution he's also got a new product or series of products coming to market but we want to pick up where we were just at which is the bread and butter the guts of this show which is how do you persevere when the shit gets tough because it gets tough when you set out on your own when you when you open your own business going against the better advice of of people like Lance Knob <laughs> and 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 doing your own thing you're in the gray matter you have to be able to do what Lineal was talking about in the last segment is whether it's your physical health your neurological health turn that negative into a positive what how has this serviced you offering this for you know other people to turn in on your own self and, and survive this because gyms got beat may, potentially even worse than restaurants. I mean, all the restaurant people are crying, but like gyms, Broadway's music venues, like they got, I think even worse. So it's, it's rough right now. Yeah. yeah. So 
talk, talk to the people, tell them, give them some nuggets. Cause you put a lot okay. of good stuff out on, on social. Let's, let's hear what you like kind of your process and what you did to, to get through. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's kind of a kind of a cliche story. And I think back, you know, and it's funny to be saying this now, but I wasn't somebody that responded well to my injuries. I wasn't somebody that responded well to negativity, negativity in general. You know, I was kind of a lot more emotional than I am now, you know, but wrestling is that sport that literally, I said this to somebody a couple of weeks ago, you are broken mentally every practice, mm-hmm. right? It's like you go into that practice feeling, you know, you're, you're always apprehensive because you know, you're getting ready to get into a fist fight with somebody basically with rules right so you know you're getting ready for that you got you've got to be preparing for that plus you're preparing to compete against some other guy that has you know been preparing his whole life as well to face somebody like you and in waiting for that you know pivotal moment where they can self-express right so you know you're constantly getting broken down so you get used to that process but when you get injured like i was saying you know that and like what you were saying was one of the problems with wrestling and grappling that you know i remember the first time i was at a jiu-jitsu uh, class and somebody had their arms stuffed in their uh, gi and they were still you know, uh, practicing or whatever. And I was like, what? You shouldn't be doing that. You know what I mean? At this time I was a PT already. So I mean, we get away with working around injuries, which comes back to, you know, one of the things Rhonda used to say all the time, that was one of her words she would use all the time. Well, you just got to find a workaround, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times that's what happens is that people end up working around the injury or the pain point or whatever it is, and they never face it head on, right? And what I've seen over the years of working with people with injuries, especially the elite level athletes, and I, I tell my younger athletes this, like, if you want to become a higher level athlete or a professional athlete, especially eventually you have to learn how to deal with injuries on another level. They become a professional at dealing with injuries. Number one, no offense, Jeremiah, they con they con uh, consult with somebody like me instead of trying to do it on their own, you know, because you end up with these residual things, even, even your, uh, your, the, the master guy that you're talking about, you know, he probably has deficits that he doesn't know about that are going to come to affect him later. Right. And so if you want to, you know, another one of our jobs as a physical therapist should be a re-injury specialist, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm going to do the best that I can to not get you re-injured. Right. So that's a part of it. It's not just about getting you cleared and back out. So one of the things that people have a really hard time with is continuing to do positive things, right? And continue to basically put those inputs in, in a positive way, because they get into this negative mindset about the things that they can't do. Right. And every, you know, I talked about it. It's not just with injuries. It's across the lifespan. Eventually you have to modify your activity right? Eventually, you know, you're going to be 70 years old and you can't say, oh, well, you know what? I guess I'm just going to sit on the couch and do nothing, right? So whether you have an injury or whether you get a little deconditioned or whatever the problem is in your life, you can't start going, okay, hey, number one, I'm going to stop doing the basics, right? And, and number two, these are, the, these are my top three things. There's, there's five things, right? Number one, you can't stop doing the basics. You have to stay consistent with doing the small stuff. And you may have to find new things to do that are going to create the building blocks. Number two, don't make it worse, right? And that was a big thing for me, right? <clears throat> I have a tendency 
to I'm aggressive, right? I was a wrestler. So whenever I'm faced with adversity, I, I, I sometimes get more aggressive and I mm-hmm. could actually make it worse. And right. it wasn't really until I got married that I started really paying attention to that because I would think that it was always my wife's issue. And I'm realizing, you know, over the years that it was me actually making it worse. And even, even with employees and those types of things as well, you get frustrated, you maybe try to do some type of strategy and then you end up making it worse. So yeah. that's my rule number two is do, do not make it worse, right? And then rule number three is to run the extra laps, right? So once you get the basics down and you're not making it worse, you have to run the extra laps and do some type of bonus work to keep you moving forward. So when the smoke clears, you know, and this is what what happens all the time, right? People that are behind, they're not doing the basics. They're doing things that are making it worse. They're not running the extra laps. They get to a point where they're like, okay, now I want to do this. The smoke is cleared. It's time for me to do this. And they're not ready. right? Because they haven't been preparing, right? And it's the same thing in life. And it's the same thing in business, right? Is that, you know, when you get into these adversity type of situations, and things are heightened, you don't have the time to start going, okay, you know what, I'm going to start reading all these training manuals now, and I'm (laughs) going to get I'm going to get coaching and all this stuff. You're really now left just like you would be in competition to rely on your training that you've been Mm -hmm. going through. So if you haven't been doing that training, Right, which and this is the challenge for most people. They have a hard time being self-driven with their own training. Right, that's that's where you're really uh, reaching that mastery level. If you can do it on your own, it's great. But most of us need mentorship, and most of us need coaching, and most of us need consulting and therapists to help us, you know, walk down the correct path and lead us down the correct path. Because especially when you're hurt and you're injured, if you take one wrong step, it could be a catastrophe. Right. So at the same time, there's no excuses. I love the uh, Jocko Willink, you know, scenario that all excuses are lies. Right. So you, you have to take ownership of your situation and find the ways to make the best of it. And that's on you. And you have to do that. Or, you know, basically you're going to make it, you know, a more you know, painful process as you go, which is okay. Sometimes, you know, that that's the, the, the necessity. That's how we learn, right? Yeah. You you, you have to embrace that painful scenario and get through it, which again, coming back to wrestling, which, you know, with my wife, we talk about this all the time. She's the opposite of me. She doesn't find that same enjoyment with doing the right thing, even though it's painful. Mm. Right. And so she she would rather do the right thing in a comfortable situation where I've kind of learned to be the opposite, where I like putting myself in in an uncomfortable situation because it brings the best out of me. Right. But it also gives you a tendency to be in a situation where, you know, basically if you make one, you know, false step, especially if you're already injured, you know, you can really fall that much harder, you know, injure yourself, you know. So, you know, when it comes down to the, the gym situation and COVID, it's the same thing, right? Trying to make the best of it. And, you know, even with athletes, right, we look at metrics all the time and go, I had a, a Olympic level wrestler that I worked with three or four years ago, maybe five years ago. Uh, it was before the, before the last Olympics. Mm-hmm. And so he had, you know, was having a back problem. And in his mind, he was telling me that he had to be able to deadlift over 500 pounds to be able to be a good wrestler. And it was like, I understood what he was saying, but he was so stuck on that metric, 
right? That that metric was telling him who he was instead of having a better idea of who he really was, right? So when it comes down to this self-efficacy idea, right? We have to be constantly reinforcing that. And sometimes we get too stuck on the metrics and that, you know, you're using those metrics and you don't have this balance. It's kind of like the Bruce Lee thing. You'd be like water, right? Water can either crash or it can flow, but Mm -hmm. you need to be both entities, right? So you need to be able to do the subjective things. And you also need to be able to do the objective things as well. And you can't let those objective measures always dictate, you know, everything that you're doing. And as, as a leader in a business, you start to realize after you've been doing that for a while, you know, you get your metric snapshots every month and you can't be "Ah," responding every time that you, you know, you see good or bad, right? You're not supposed to do that. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. And again, I think that that's what, you know, what most people do. Right. And then they get stuck on these metrics. I call it philometric. I make up all kinds of words. So the love of the, what was the word for the big toe again? Hallux. Hallux. Halix, 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 yeah, well, yeah, and that's, you know, that, that, and that's my major issue, which the cool part for me along those lines, because of my foot injury, and I never had surgery with it, I've been forced to do my therapy, you know, since I was in college, I have to run these extra laps, I have to do all of this stuff, and, you know, if I would have had surgery on my foot, it would have never have uh, really helped me, so I've been in this process for, you know, my whole life, which also helps me to come back to my clients and the people that I work with, work with and be like, no, you know, this is, this is what it takes. This is for right? real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. If, if you want to get through this process, like I said, you're going to have to modify what you're doing, you know, to be able to get through it. And Hey, at some point you might have to accept that you can't do the things that you used to do. Right. And that you have yeah. to pivot and modify, you know, and shift to doing something else. But no matter what, you got to find something to do that you can put your efforts into. That's going to allow you to give your best effort. Right. It's the whole uh, John Wooden thing, having the peace of mind, knowing that you basically gave your your best efforts at achieving something. Right. So, so, you know, I think that that's what it comes down to, you know, even with these business situations, right? Everybody's, you know, focused on the outcome all the time, right. and they're not always focused on their process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're executing on your process on a daily basis and doing the best that you can with that, that's all that you can do, Yep. right? And all you can do is the next day is wake up and repeat that process again. And not panic when you see those reports. <laughs> yeah, Right. And, what, and that's what ends up happening. You, you end up not panicking because you know that you're already doing yeah. your best. Right. right. And but you do have to pay attention to the scoreboard. You, you right. Do, so do. so and a lot of people <laughs> on the other end, they flow through not paying attention to metrics. Right. I've been so, that guy, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, it, and it's it's really easy to do. You know, and, and the other side of it is the metrics help to make the situation more enjoyable. They help you create those carrots to dangle in front of yourself. So you're so you're chasing the carrot, not needing to beat yourself with a stick. Right. There's I know there's yeah. that one book called carrot and sticks but you know that was a thing that my college wrestling coach said all the time you need to find a a carrot to dangle for yourself to chase but i've also been having this uh this new idea right and Mm. you know yeah so people don't like being uncomfortable and i think i think that it's funny because i know at least for myself that when i'm agitated i'm usually at close to my best Right. It puts you kind of almost into that fight or flight flow scenario. Right. So even even walking into a jujitsu or a wrestling practice, I'm I'm usually a pretty happy go lucky type of person. You know, I'm in a really good mood most of the time. You know, and I would always say this. It was a complete like Jekyll and Hyde moment. As soon as you get your head snapped. 
right? It's like, you know, you're immediately into that. So that's agitating, right? So the next Mm -hmm. thing you know, you're in this really heightened state. But what another thing that I've seen from working with these high level athletes and and just high performers in general, I I was telling somebody this yesterday, like my circle is as I get older, just keeps getting better and better. I have all of these high level business people that I know, and, you know, you guys and all all this stuff. And it's been really cool. But that ability to self agitate, right, is really the key. Right. That ability. You don't need to always get agitated from external locus of control. Right. right? Well, you have to practice. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. But most people, they avoid that. Right. Because they don't want to feel that little bit of negative. Right. That little uncomfortable thing. Right. But on the other side of that is where the growth and the positivity and the performance comes from a lot of the times. Yeah. 100%. Couldn't agree with you more. We're going to take one more break. And then I want to come back and wrap these, up. These breaks are kind of nice because they let you get into, into your head. Yeah, about what you're talking man, about. I, I did I, one. I did oh, one I, on. I think, go ahead. Well, I didn't even get into what we were supposed to talk about there. So <laughs> No, no, you did great. We're, we're yeah, going to yeah. do the. No, you answered my question thoroughly. And then we're going to talk about what you've got coming up. But you're right. I did a, I did a show uh, the day after Thanksgiving uh, just on my own with no no commercials, no breaks. And it was, I, got, I was lost. It's, it's nice to just <laughs> yeah. like. Ah, it's like that 90 seconds between rounds. Get some water. Right, right, right. <laughs> <You know>? right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take 90 yeah. seconds. Take a new training partner. We'll be back in just a few, everybody. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
All right, everybody, welcome back. Last round, let's make it our best. Ding, ding, ding. We're talking to Leniel Mitchell. He's got a gym in Huntington Beach, California called Physio Gym Revolution, but he's also got a series of uh, physical, therapy, physical therapy apparatus that he is releasing. And it's been kind of a, it's been a bit of a process and uh, another opportunity to be uncomfortable <laughs> to turn all those great lessons you share with your clients in on yourself. So tell everybody about the wobbler and just kind of like the bumps. We've got about 10 more minutes. I want you to like kind of talk about the bumps and what like somebody can expect trying to bring something like this. It's going to be tangible, physical, technological, neurological, all these things, putting it together and getting it ready. And like what, like how all the little sidetracks and things that happen. So and I'll give you a little background real quick. So one of the reasons why I really got into this uh, system was because when I opened my physical therapy practice in Pittsburgh, there's a huge hospital system there called University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. They have their own HMO insurance plan. They own about 40% of the market share with the insurance premiums or uh, insurance uh, plans. And they don't let any of the small guys into their network, right? So basically you're missing you know, 40% of the, the market. You can't even get 40% of the market. It would be like going to a different country and not using being able to use the right currency or whatever, right? Literally it doesn't work. So we wanted to have this unique selling proposition, which I, the great part is I was super into it early on. I actually wanted to work more on the wellness side in terms of like chronic disease, because it's, it's such a big deal, but I'm a, an athlete and the sports thing just kept coming to the surface yeah. and coming to the surface. Right. And so that, that was a big part of me getting involved with this, uh, the Marinovich system, which direct access means that you can go to a physical therapist without a referral from a physician. So at the time, the national average was less than like 3% for all physical therapy in the United States for somebody to go to a physical therapist in a self-referral without a referral from a physician. So it was a real big new law that had changed. And in Pennsylvania in 2004, they had passed it all. I graduated in 2006, opened my practice in 2010. And because of the situation in Pittsburgh, and also when we were in Erie, we were working for a couple of other guys in our situation there, it made more sense for us to go direct to the consumer, mm-hmm. right? Where most physical therapy businesses are designed to, you know, basically go to the insurance company, get in network with the right, you know, situation with the insurance company, or to create relationships with physicians, right? So it, it basically, when you also enter into a new market, you're battling these all good old boy networks of these, you know, physicians and physical therapists that already have these relationships and they like easy, right? They like to be able to just, Hey, I'm going to send this to my buddy, whether or not everything's going well, they just keep doing that. And then also there's this idea of a physician owned practice, right? Where the physician actually owns the physical therapy, which is actually illegal in certain States. So certain States you're able to do that. So I wanted to keep differentiating us. I ended up getting involved with the inventor who one of the side stories on this, he was actually the roommate of Bruce Jenner in college which was yeah, a pretty interesting situation. He was a really high level decathlete. He was six foot six and basically ended up getting injured. He won the national championship in the, uh, the decathlon and, and in a non-Olympic year. So then he ended up getting injured. You know, Bruce came behind him, broke all of uh, Mike Maddox's records. And then Mike went on to work for a company called Mini Gym, which was an isokinetic company back in the 60s and 70s. They're actually still, they still exist today. And another guy was also uh, you know, an entrepreneurial guy, was a, a teammate of his, had also went to work for this same company. 
company. They split off and went and did their own things. Eventually, Mike got involved with this sports lab, uh, Marv Marinovich uh, situation, and started creating new pieces of equipment for them. And he was just a you know a big go getter. You you know the heavy rope jump rope. The, the yep, big the, Mike Mike Maddox invented that nice. um, the uh, the torso tiger, which was the ab wheel that had the little <laughs> spring in it that helped you come back. He invented that. And so he also invented this product that I have now called the wobbler. So Mike was really big into isokinetics and trying to do a lot of volume and repetition because that's what trains your muscle memory and your neuromuscular system, right? So let's figure out a way to create the least amount of damage to the body and give you the most amount of training volume possible so you can keep coming back every day with good recovery, right? It's like shooting a basketball when we think about the neuromuscular and the functional training and functional conditioning side, right? We need to do a lot of practice. So if you're practicing when you're absolutely sore and destroyed all of the time, you end up practicing like a person that's destroyed and sore all the yeah. time, which made sense to me as a wrestler. It was like, oh yeah, why, why do we do that? Maybe there is a better way. And we also don't do that in, uh, in physical therapy either, because we're going to create more inflammation and more pain and it's going to set us back. So the wobbler is this uh, basically most... Uh, uh, balancing products are reactive balancing tools, right? So where you stand on them and you're like shaking and trying to hold your body in position, right? Which on one end is okay because you need to get that basic balance. But when we see the injuries and we see falls in the elderly, it's always dynamic. It's happening. It's, it's when you're moving. It's yeah. when I, I, I the, you know, your grandma says, I got up to try to go to the refrigerator and I misstepped and I fell, you know, or the same thing with the athlete. You're running along. It's dynamic when the ACL blows out. Mm-hmm. It's not standing still. So the wobbler is the only you know, piece of exercise equipment. And that's what the patent is on that you're able to do balance exercises and actually move around in space, which it's kind of a lot more like dance especially if you throw on your favorite song, which is, which is what I do, uh, especially first thing in the morning. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Tony Robbins. He does the uh, rebounder. He usually gets on the trampoline first thing in the morning. And that's kind of the oh, same nice. idea. Yeah. <laughs> what the, what the wobbler does and it helps your lymphatic and your, your, uh, your vascular system, get your blood flowing and get the, all that blood out of your legs. And, and so it's a, a real positive thing. So the, the you know, basically the, the, you know, the patent has a eight or I think nine years left on it right now. We bought the patent from him. Mm-hmm. And before this though, you know, what it would be three or four years ago, I basically had two kind of experience that were the aha moment. Uh, I was uh, working one day, Shamarco Thomas from the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, was coming in for his session. I was real busy. I said, hey, Shamarco, hop over on the wobbler. I'll be over. I'll be back in a minute. I came back like 10 minutes later and he was pouring sweat. Right. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I I checked his heart rate. He was at like 140. And I'm like, oh, man, we can this is more than a balancing tool. Right. We can use this for conditioning. So it really switched my mind into okay, this is a pretty cool product here. Then like within the same like time frame, a couple of weeks, you know, at the most, I go home and my mother at the time had been watching my son on a daily basis while we were at work. And I come home, she's, my son's down for a nap and my mom's watching her soap opera and she's doing she's her wobbler. It. And I'm like, what are, what are you doing, mom? She's like, I love this thing. It works my core and my hips. And I'm like, well, how long have you been doing? Oh, I've been doing this for months. And she never even said anything to me about it. And then the light bulb went on and I was like, oh, this could be a product for 
for the home. This could be a product for athletes to use everywhere. But in, in the, uh, which I didn't say this, when I first encountered Mike, he presented me with 10 different pieces of equipment. So I ended up buying all 10 pieces of equipment. So and some of the equip pieces of equipment were more for strength, right? And so, and he had, and Mike was kind of biased at the time towards these couple of other pieces of equipment for uh, jumping that he wanted to put out because he's yeah. a big a- athlete guy, right? Mm. And that was the problem with the system. So right when I entered into the system, the whole thing was crumbling, right? So I, and you could like smell it, right? You knew something was wrong and something about, was off. About three minutes, okay? Okay. So as I entered in the, you know, the system was completely, you know, falling apart. I got lucky. I ended up meeting Troy Palomalo in Pittsburgh and did some work with him. And he kind of showed, you know, shed the light on what was going on as this system was crumbling. So we got the product made in steel originally. So the steel was basically 25 to 30 pounds. You know, it was really heavy. It was harder for most, most people to move, even though, you know, they could still do it. So we decided this time to get it made in plastic. Right. And it, and, and it was a, you know, a huge undertaking. So the last few years, I really decided like, look, I'm going to leave this equipment alone unless I can really find the right situation. I didn't want to end up being like the rest of the people that have come through this system and kind of not been able to you know, take it to fruition because all of the things weren't right. That was probably the biggest thing that I learned, you know, with trying to manufacture a piece of equipment, yeah. you can't, you can't do it on a physical therapist budget. Right. So, you know, but I, but, but, you know, I'm a go-getter. So I said, Hey, let's go and try to figure this out. And we had a demand for it. You know, we had sold 300 of them at my clinic in, uh, in Pittsburgh because people just loved it. And they just kept saying, Hey, where can I get one of these? So we kept making it, but then we, we wanted to try to take it to the next level. You know, the, we, we went to Dick's sporting goods and talked to a few people there and they were like, yeah, this would never work because it's too heavy and all this other stuff. So it ended up getting tabled. And then when I, uh, when I had come out here to try to meet Rhonda Rousey the first time, you know, I ended up leaving her and her roommate a wobbler. So when I ended up working with her, she was like, oh, I love the wobbler, blah, blah, blah. So she started stirring up us getting the wobbler back into, you know, into the creative process and getting it manufactured. And then basically right as her and I were working through our business plan, COVID hit. Yeah. It blew it blew everything up. And she just said, oh, you know what? I'm going to back off on this. I don't know what's going to happen. The gym market, the fitness market is down. Yeah. So I ended up partnering with a, a, another guy named Taylor Potts. And, you know, we've invested in you know, buying the patent and getting the plastic wobbler out and it's ready right now. So it's a, you know, we, we finally got it going. Yeah. And it's, it's working. It's great. And uh, we tried to actually add some bands to it you know, so you could do some upper body stuff. Yeah. So one of the things that the wobbler does is it, you know, you have limping on one end of the spectrum and you have elite sprinting on the other end of the spectrum. So when you limp, you favor one side of your body basically. Right. And when you're an elite athlete, you, another made up word that I, I, I came up with is called <laughs> ambikinetic, meaning like ambidextrous, and that yeah. you can control your body using all four limbs. Well, that's the difference between somebody that's injured and somebody that's average versus somebody that's elite. You know, and not all elite athletes do it perfectly, but most of them are on that high end of the spectrum where they're creating force with all four limbs in their trunk, and they're also coordinated with all four limbs. So when you're rehabbing somebody that has a one side dominant limping type of pattern, you're trying to resurrect them and get them back into that more ambikinetic, all four limbs using their whole body for the movement. You're literally trying to teach them how to be more athletic, right? So that's the whole progression of functional training. 
So the wobbler is designed to do that. There's this phenomenon called the spinal engine, right? That basically has to do with how your spine is moving your body. And the wobbler is the only product out there that basically mimics and, and replicates that movement. Awesome. And those are great lessons for business too. Like that progression, like the wobbler is like, I can see like the neurological component for plugging that in. Like you have the yep. physical practice and then transfer that to your brain. Real quick before we hop off the air, if anybody has questions, where can they reach you? I, you know, we were talking about this. I, I'd say just DM me at uh, Dr. Laniel on uh, Instagram or Laniel Mitchell on Facebook. You know, if you guys are interested in you know checking more out from the Wobbler, we can send you a link. We're uh, basically uh, piloting a, a first run here with Rhonda and a bunch of the kind of influencers that I know and getting their feedback. You know, and uh, we'll have them uh, ready for for everybody here in the next couple of weeks. So if you're interested, let me know. And we also do a lot of different things. I'm you know working on online training with people now and. And, and uh, you know, like I said before, if you're thinking about you have an injury or you're trying to improve your performance, have, you know, just like most professional athletes, right, they have a physical therapist and they're stable, just like Rhonda, right? So they can communicate with us to find out what the best strategies are, you know, you know, use us, we're here, right? And I think especially right now, <laughs> our, our professions are all hurting, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, if it's not me, you know, check out your local trainers and physical therapists, you know, for, for the things they can help you with. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Really great stuff. I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks uh, for the next Mastermind. The rest of you, I'll see you next Friday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Peace out. Thanks, Jeremiah. My pleasure. Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader the personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you listeners looking to boost your business. Why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges 
business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 